Welcome to the Interjections Podcast. The Undiscovered Decade is our subtitle. That's because we have been, for the past four years, going through the 1990s one month at a time, looking for hidden gems, trying to find them in their 30th anniversary. And this month we're covering a genre that I like quite a bit, the Western, uh, with a film directed by Walter Hill, who I think is sort of a hidden gem of himself of a director. And he covered a film called Geronimo, an American legend. And then I have a feeling might've gotten immediately overshadowed by another Western that came out at the end of December, 1993. Similarly to how Clint last month overshadowed himself. I don't know what you guys think, but we can get into that later. Um, As for now, this is a great piece to showcase uh, a magnificent actor, Wes Studi, who uh, played Geronimo himself. And it has an all-star cast, including young Matt Damon, uh, old roommates Gene Hackman and Robert Duvall, and then uh, another actor that sort of disappeared to time, uh, Jason Patrick, who I think was maybe the best part of this movie. I don't know. What do you What do you guys think? He almost plays his role like he did in uh, The Alamo when he was playing. Um, he did get another Bowie. Western uh, ten years later. Mm. So. It was um, also it's weird. Speed two cruise control. So you yeah, know. Yeah, that's like all I knew. Completely lost the time. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and now he's doing uh, the Bruce Willis boarding. He's on cruise control in his career. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that this was basically Matt Damon's first major role. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Like the, he's thought... basically, if anybody has the most screen time, I think it's Matt Damon. Yeah. Obviously, obviously he's the one doing the narration. Yeah, he's kind of the uh, he's the lens that the audience is viewing the movie like he he's, apparently he's us essentially he apparently uh dropped out of harvard to take this role because I, I feel like it's a role of a lifetime if you're like, shooting from a junior in college to in a yeah. film right so, in a, <laughs> in a film based on a historical figure so he's basically get like doing his thesis yeah like he's epic. just skipping well, the degree and just like yeah no i'm just, his thesis was Goodwill Hunting because he was apparently writing oh, yeah. during Harvard. So th- this, is, so. this is this is this is a junior thesis then. Yeah. So. Or sophomore thesis. He did a good job either way. I don't know exactly what age he was, but pretty cool um, that he uh, came out of nowhere for this. I will yeah. say um, I, the good thing is they don't do the white savior stereotype with him. Mm-hmm. Because they pretty they established pretty early on, especially during the ambush with the uh, lynch mob, that yeah. Geronimo doesn't need the white man. He can yeah. he, he's he's perfectly capable without them. I was gonna say it's like it's kind of the exact opposite of white saviors. Like it showcases how like there were legitimately like good soldiers who wanted like tried to do the best that they could under the circumstances and like try to mediate uh, in any way that they possibly could and. Um, it still went south uh, for uh, everybody involved, and like uh, 
they even like mention like I guess later in the movie when they're like talking about later on in their life and they're re recounting they're just like yeah no thinking back to then it's just like yeah not great <laughs> you yeah. you said that in a, a more uh yeah like uh Matt Damon's uh, character like he, he expressed like deep regret mm -hmm. to be more specific yeah yeah that's essentially well at the end he it. says he feels nothing but shame and then he resigns so oh yeah, yeah. Jimmy well I looked up and then told Jimmy for the next half hour to hour after we watched the film all of this is pretty fairly accurate to what happened down to the year and month and like th this is what they did to these people like casting Jason Patrick's uh, major off into nowhere in Wyoming uh, Nelson Miles took over and sort of just dismantled Gene Hackman's whole cavalry, that sort of thing. So, and, yeah. and, he, and he quit, he resigned out of shame and then just ended up working in Mexico. Um, pretty much, yeah. It. I will say oh. one thing that was kind of funny about the beginning is uh, they opened on a still image of Geronimo and it looks like a GQ magazine cover shoot. Well, because that title is going across them, right? Yeah. 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 It's a very 90s the slow, style. The yeah. slow zoom in. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is one thing that's fairly uh, inaccurate, but it's okay because it gave a really cool death scene to Robert Duvall. He actually uh, outlived uh, Jason Patrick's character by like 10 years. <laughs> he just didn't die in the really? thing they did in this. But it's cool. Yeah. Which, so, which is uh, oh, and I pointed out to Tristan places. that like uh, that that scene that Duvall's character died in was like very uh, it 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 didn't to me like it didn't fit and it felt like there was like are they taking a page from uh Patton's uh back uh backstory because um when they were chasing um Pancho Villa uh in Mexico Patton kind of just ended up in a bar and kind of had a gunfight with the locals. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a mix. So maybe he yeah. heard that story and he's like, I'm going to put that in my Geronimo movie. Yeah. I was going to say, as you look through like Walter Hill's filmography, you notice that he's he's big on shootouts. So this he probably also, just wanted to include one. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of that. <laughs> this is also sort of John Milius's work. Like he might have had a huge hand in deciding what would actually happen in the film, you know, since he wrote it with Hill. Um, I, I feel like the big uh, scene, the big first scene between uh, Gene Hackman and uh, Geronimo was definitely John Milius, just mm. from the dialogue standpoint. Because mm -hmm. at one point, uh, Geronimo pointedly asked him, he says, how much land does the white eye need? Mm -hmm. And they could have been a, an eloquent retort, and he just is kind of speechless, because he doesn't have an answer. Yeah, he, knows, he, knows. he knows it's imperialism. Yeah, he doesn't uh, yeah. really like it himself. But it's his job. Right. Yeah, Somebody's so, got to do it. They don't really demonize the soldiers in a way, and but they also don't let them off the, the hook. The miles. Yeah, they also don't let them off the hook as well. Yeah, Especially right. at the end when the scouts are treated the way they are. Right. Yeah. I liked uh, that scout as well. Uh, Chato. You know, what's funny is um, Chato is played by... Uh, Charles Bronson in a movie. Is he really? The seventies, yeah, called Chato's know. Land. Oh, that's cool. So if you want to see a prequel, <laughs> yeah, if you want to see it completely whitewashed, <laughs> uh, yeah, especially yeah, uh, <laughs> this is a an Italian guy. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. 
That's the seventies. I'm going to tan my skin and play Chato. Yeah. Did you have subtitles for all the scenes where the I had to put subtitles yeah. on. Yeah. So Jimmy and I realized far too late that they were speaking and it wasn't intentional to not have subtitles. Yeah, because uh, like the first few times when they when they spoke another language, uh cool. like it was like like a couple lines, but like it was very easy to infer like what they were saying. So it was like, yeah. oh, it's much whatever. Like, oh, but then later when they started new... having like more dialogue, it was like, oh, we're missing out on it. Yeah, like full or... scenes talking to each other about the other scenes. Or like I thought it was a bold move to to like make us have to infer with their eyes what's going on. Yeah, you're talking <laughs> wait, are you talking about subtitles when they're speaking apache yes yeah yeah because we well my mine automatically had like regular subtitles on too which was fine because for the most of the movie it's really quiet but right uh, yeah no i mean i i always like that choice because there are some things where you're not supposed to know what they're talking yeah. about obviously like um so for jimmy and i it kind of was that way yeah. yeah like obviously jason patrick is fluent right but like gene hackman I think maybe a little. He might not be too well versed but he's in the language, more, so he yeah. should be kind of an outsider. Yeah. So I thought that's what they were doing for us. Like we're not uh, allowed into the conversations. Obviously, that, it's that a Tronimo total has. disservice at the end when they're on the train, right? <laughs> because Tronimo has a big speech. We did so. turn the subtitles on for that because we we're like, we should probably know how this ends. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then, and our then, subtitles is weird. Yeah, we we ended up with it was a minute behind. So, uh, okay. So it was really? fine that we honestly didn't have them. Our version just wasn't great. This is a problem we mentioned earlier for subtitles. There just isn't a great service out there for it, and it's always right. different between different streaming services. So it's kind of annoying when it's a thing like this for a language that you don't know for sure. Right. Um, it's a bit disappointing, but to that point, I think we give West Studi a lot of credit because he was able to carry those scenes and convey what was happening with his people to Jimmy and I, at least. So, mm-hmm. you know, he was just fantastic. I didn't remember, but he just won an honorary Academy Award uh, one of the last two years for mm-hmm. his contributions for Native American cinema. And I believe he's the first Native American person to win an Oscar in general. Unless there's something below the line that I'm not familiar with. Good actor. He was in The Doors a little bit. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. He's uh, in he, uh, one of Jimmy's favorite movies, Last yeah, of the Mohicans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the villain. Mm-hmm. What, what? He was the hero. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. He had a tragic end. Yeah. Um, did you realize, Jimmy, that he's the guy that Christian Bale is transporting in Hostels? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know I if you remembered. No. I didn't know if you remembered. <laughs> hey, I remember the 5th of November. Oh, my God. Um, how do you feel about Robert Duvall's performance? I'll tell you what, you brought it up. That, that death scene is chef's kiss, man. Yeah. I'm just going to sleep here for a while. What, a, what, a, what, a, what an exquisite death scene! Yeah, I hope that's my my last words. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because like so up until then, 
of the um of the soldiers, he's the one that's the most borderline racist. So right, yeah. The whole first half hour, Jimmy and I are like, oh, so he's gonna be the one that's gonna turn on Geronimo. He's gonna like catch him or something. Something. Yeah, he's gonna do something heinous, and then it turns out like he didn't do anything heinous at all. Like ever, he just said some like bad things, and then you kind of shrug it off because like it, he's a he's just an old man. He's just saying you know, He kind of there is a redemption for him, but it's not cloying. It's not like all of a sudden he has this begrudging respect. You can infer it through his performance that he's uh, he's resigned himself to the fact that they're gonna have to coexist in a way. Right. It was pretty cool. All the performances could stand out. You could have a favorite character for any of the five main actors. Um, how did you I think what you said, Jason Patrick, though, deserves special notice for yeah. sure. Was he your favorite? Yeah, I think he was great. He, But he was great in the 90s. Has this confidence that I just never expected because I just sort of wrote him off because of Speed 2. So I've never really seen him in anything. You saw Lost Boys? I uh, didn't. Don't know that I was paying well enough attention. He did it's have a little movie. bit of a mini comeback in the 2000s with Narc. Right, I missed that. And he's great in that. But yeah, ever since then, he's been relegated to direct the video jail. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, how did you guys uh, feel about it as a Western? Are you guys fans of Westerns or... See, I it's had a hard the, time um, not usually. Yes, yeah. I think I lumped it like into it, more of a historical drama than I would a right western. It it felt like a dramatized Ken Burns documentary. You know, it's good. I'm glad you said that, Jeff, because it the the Ry Cooter um music almost sounds like Gettysburg in a way. So it's mm. almost got that docudrama feel to it, just from the score. I don't know. Also, I, I I did see in the trivia that apparently the director uh, indicated that it was more supposed to be about the guys who captured him and not about Geronimo, which might explain why I felt sort of disconnected because it wasn't like it felt like it should have been following him the whole time, but it was following these other people. I'm like, right. So it seems like they changed the title in post. Or just kind of... until recently, we weren't really lifting up people, even though we thought we were. Yeah, or, right. Uh... It was just sort of like, oh, you're in this movie, but if the movie bombs at the box office, you know, does it really matter? Right. This is Although probably part of bomb. the reason why, why uh, when they did Wind Talkers, they're like, well, we got to do it through the Nicolas Cage character. We can't do it through the Adam Beach character. Right. Right. Like, okay, no, not we're not going to throw it to the Navajo Indian perspective. He's, he's... <laughs> weird path of least resistance like to get these things made in the first place was yeah. so difficult um but i'm i'm watching it and i'm like and maybe that's just me and my short attention span these days but i can't imagine sitting through this in a full movie theater i don't know really? why. I, I don't know that's what i know that's that's weird and i know that's oh. a terrible thing to say like it was a good movie i know? could totally watch this in the theater like sure well, that's a any day of the week. I will. I will Either meet up with you next after. <laughs> it's mostly. I, I don't know. Going to the theater is what helps me focus. I kept glancing at my phone because we were here, right? And I didn't need to. There was no reason to. No one was texting me. No, that's a that's a whole other debate. That's that's my but, anxiety. Yeah. 
more than anything, but having it in a, in a theater just helps me not do anything because the lights are out. But yeah, this could have been like an episodic miniseries because there's so much they could have covered, maybe. Especially yeah, from the Geronimo point of view. Yeah. It is going to like they... change perspectives with each episode, but now that you said that Walter Hill wanted to do it from the uh, the cavalry point of view, it would have been more well-rounded as a miniseries. Obviously, that's more yeah. the fashion nowadays. Back yeah, then. I mean, yeah, Duval was in a couple of miniseries that were uh, western, so I Lonesome think Dove. maybe this could have been in the line with those. Right. But... It's almost like there was an edict back then, as opposed to now, that things can't go over two hours. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's plenty of movies that came out around that around this like time period where you're like, hmm, they could have actually added some runtime to that, right? As opposed to now, movie. where everything's too long. Just because it's you know? been in my head the last two months, Dancer with Wolves was an anomaly at the length it was. Right. Which, no. also, Kevin Costner was getting away with putting movies over two hours. Mm-hmm. It was just weird because, like, you know, like we said earlier, Matt Damon is supposed to be the audience because the entire, like, anytime the cavalry is talking, it's just exposition about, oh, this is what the Native Americans do. This is how they live. This is what, what they do. And it was just like, it, it, felt very explainy mm-hmm. expositiony rather than like and then it was just quiet talking quiet talking quiet talking gunfight for five minutes <laughs> yeah and you know on apropos it realistically i'm sure that's exactly how it happened but i don't know i was i was having trouble with it in terms of the day, i get what you're saying the, the gunfights are actually surprisingly short uh they right. kind of happen like in a yeah, maybe not five minutes and a maybe a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in ter- in how they would like... happen? It would just be um, you know, they start shooting and then they scatter. So I guess that right. is good. <laughs> For like exposition's sake, I thought it was better that instead of using uh, the narration throughout when the Jason Patrick character came in, and he was like the liaison with the Apache. So when he was explaining things, I thought that was way more dynamic than just having some dry narration. Right. Like, oh, okay. This this is a better way of getting that information across using him as a conduit. Yeah, it's like show and tell. Exactly, just telling. Yeah. yeah, that would make it more dynamic for Jeff. Right. Uh, no, I get. I like your point. That's, it's that, that also. You're right. That that goes back to you know why it felt more like a docudrama than anything. Yeah. Because mm. I wonder if I was starting to lose my interest and that's why i was checking my phone um because it was just he was explaining things so i didn't need to look at it i could listen as well you know what i mean right right so there is they took a talking head interview and just superimposed it over the film Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think it's good narration but there is a different way to do this and that's something that could have happened in editing Maybe they found that they wanted him to explain some things better. Maybe they ran out of money or time. That could, that could be a test screening up. thing, too. Right. The studio is just like, the audience is confused. You need yeah. to... Who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, because the narration is necessary. Like, the external narration is necessary. Because mm-hmm. I would know... I don't, I don't follow enough history to know who any of these people are. Even I didn't know who they were. Out of, out of you know, out of pocket. And I'm sure... Other than Geronimo. Yeah. And maybe when the movie came out, there were a lot more people in the audience that are just like, holy shit, that's 
whatever that guy is. I can't even remember anybody's name right now. Nelson uh, Miles was the one that replaces him, but that's the most famous person, actually. He became – he was the last – Oh, my God, that's general. Gerald Crook. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I know him. That's the, Lieutenant Charles Gatewood. Like, what are we <laughs> – yeah. Gen- General Crook was apparently super famous, but obviously not anymore, you know? Sure. And Nelson Miles, I was about to say, was the last major general of the United States, which was – the first thing that George Washington did, they took it away after the turn of the century. So we haven't had one. It became a new thing, like the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So he's he's the most important person, and no one knows who Nelson Miles is anymore. You know? yeah. yeah, he's become irrelevant. But right. I don't know. I I also think that's part of why they titled it Geronimo in American Legend. I was going to say when you said he's not in as much of his own film it's sort of like we don't know what he was doing when he was away from the camps they were putting him in so he became sort of a legend there's a way to put this in like how they did with the jesse james film that Corey and i like a lot where there there were books about jesse james and jesse james even read them and like chuckled to himself like this isn't true in that film yeah like they're playing into the myth part of it right yeah that would have been cool yeah that's, I don't that's think they well did started. it, but maybe that's what they thought they were doing at this time, you know? Yeah. yeah. All this to say, like, it's it's really well done. And, like, even especially, like, the, the wardrobe and art direction and cinematography and, like, all the production design aspects of it. Right. The performances are great. I just have trouble with Westerns sometimes. I don't know why. It's just They're very thing. dry. I don't know yeah. why I love them, but it's a lot of slow walking, slow talking. You know, time to think. That's right, Pilgrim. Mild, mild racism. You know. Yeah, that's why I love it. Yeah. Let's cut that. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think there's something about being on the frontier, and there's nothing else you can do that I like about westerns. And so this is just like, especially say Gene Hackman's character, his conversation with Geronimo about this is what America does. I can't stop them. He's he's moving forward and has nowhere else to go. He's doing his best to alleviate the worst parts of it. And so that's sort of what like he's almost like like this is this is (laughs) what I gotta do. Yeah. And like Gene Hackman's character is like he kind of like uh reflects a little bit of like a lot a large part of the American uh uh populace at that time because like they they did kind of like feel bad with what they were doing to the native americans like but they're like hey to be fair why don't we just reserve some land for you and then you could farm and live there and everything be hunky-dory and then like they're living there on the reservations and it's like it's like this land is shit and then like uh we, we you're not we're not allowed to do things because apparently we're dangerous so you gotta have the army here as police right. and then like a, a lot of these like people like you know they're 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 warriors so like you kind of kind of neuter yeah. them to a very large degree so like there's a hefty resentment but like gene hackman doesn't understand that the, the resentment he's like he's like come on like it's peace no war like what do you yeah. what do you want so I, like when uh, dronimo like just backs out of his uh, initial deal of like yeah no i'll live on the reservation it's just like you betrayed my trust mm. yeah they have different sets of values is the problem yeah yeah um He's almost like a caseworker for their transition. He's yeah. like, look, guys. That's yeah. It's an interesting way to look at it. I do I do feel like 
for for the time this was made it did touch on a lot more of the aspects that we're still talking about today as far as like you know they weren't they, they were aware that they were you know sort of imperializing um and they were kind of touching on that as, as best they could no i think they were more than aware they, they were fully uh fully no but i'm it. like it, yeah, but we're it, pointing it, it out it, for the first time in this movie. Maybe we didn't know well, in yeah. the 80s or 70s. Right. It, or it wasn't it wasn't That's like a rah rah cowboys versus Indian like, you know. Oh yeah. It 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 was a lot more sensitive to the native perspective. Even though um, it still wasn't like entirely. Like we're we're getting right. that finally now and still could do more. Yeah, I think I think this was the beginning of finally like actually listening to what the atrocities were. Yeah, which is why uh, apparently like this this movie was not very well received, hmm. with the exception of like the well, no, I I'm this is going off of the trivia. Yeah, uh, like the the native population was like was was very, uh, very supportive of it, hmm. which cool. was I thought was interesting. Yeah, let me find the exact thing. But I did like all of the actors in uh, Geronimo's group. There was that old Nana, the the gray haired guy. He, yeah. was, he was pretty cool. Um, also had a lot of good points, I think, at least when I knew what he was saying. Um, yeah. But I particularly liked the uh, what Robert Duvall called the ambush when the dreamer was killed. Um, hmm. It was a good way to finally see what they are doing um, to prevent war. They themselves are trying to prevent war, but he looks aggressive to the white man. So that's right. why he gets shot. And then they call it an ambush because they were standing up for themselves. And so it's sort of a reversal of what was happening, right? I don't know. You're well, the ambush part team. was like uh, when 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 their, one of their scouts shot an officer. Sure, because like, like the, the situation like got really, really heated, and like because they, the 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 dreamer guy was was a medicine man, a a, a a priest essentially. So like a holy man got killed, and like what do right. you do next? You you, right. you kill the guy that killed your, your your holy man. Right, it went out of hand because someone shot first, and no, no one should yeah. have shot. The right. Itchy trigger fingers caused the ambush. Yeah. Then they they call it an ambush because they won. A lot of the times, uh, right before like something tense happens, and they the cavalry the cavalry does what it does. Uh, it's not like uh, any typical uh, westerns where they just charge in and go bah, 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 and then shoot. Uh, they it's surprisingly like tactical and like more reserved. Like they're like, hey, hey, we're just gonna we're gonna line up and we're gonna ease up on them and then boom, or like uh, we're gonna hold like hold our ground. There's no uh, glorious like chases like you would see in all the other westerns because they even say it uh in in uh right before like what's a potentially a skirmish they're like hey if they start running we're not chasing because that's how we get like split up and they start picking picking us off so yeah. and the rule of the game is like you know kind of just stand your ground but just kind of if you can avoid a fight avoid a fight mm-hmm. essentially but yeah i know i'm done you could go on you no, it was literally just a sorry. 
<laughs> so the film had mixed reception from critics, but was praised by Native American groups. That was okay. it. Yeah, you're just oh. confirming yourself. Right. I don't know. <laughs> Affirmation. Need, need validation. Don't worry. Jim. It's these interjections. Just. It is. Um. Any other interesting trivia things? I forgot to look this month again. No, there were only like five things. Yeah. Uh, that tends to happen apparently... with our films. Yeah. Well, apparently, Jason Patrick showed his considerable horsemanship. Apparently, he knew before, like, all right, fancy pants. He knew how to horseback ride before this movie. Uh, right. Right. It was the longer version of the movie. Oh, God. But he's forced to cut it oh, down stop. to minutes. <laughs> I like and how his... you're like, God, I could never. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, give me more. In his own words, he, res- he describes the version as a damn good version and felt that the studio should have released that version on DVD. Um, could have pulled Ridley Scott and he could have had someday. Oh, wait, there's there's more. Oh, oh, Live oh. reactions, right? Oh, uh, Jason Patrick beat Patrick Swayze and Alec Baldwin for the title role or for the main role. Yeah, no, I don't like their fit. No, did Patrick Swayze play? Um, Pecos uh, huh? Was he Pecos Bill in something? Yeah, he's a Pecos Bill oh, oh. Paul Bunyan in uh, yeah. what was that? Tall Tale, Tall Tale, yeah, that's next year. <laughs> See, this is okay. This is an interesting one. Uh, a made for TV film about Geronimo was released on TNT five days before the release of this movie. Some accounts attribute this as having a detrimental effect to the box office take for this movie. Walter Hill said, I don't think there are a hell of a lot of movies where you can basically take the same story, show it to 50 million people, and then bring yours out a week later and think that you're going to do great. What can you say? My Geronimo has better locations? Yeah. Well, I remember great. seeing that in the Wikipedia page. <clears throat> thinking, oh, I wonder if that's why it failed. Yeah, that's that's too bad. It also looks like there was a glove Probably. of stuff. I think. Yeah, I mean, December's always full of a lot of things. Get ready in a second. But was it like, but I'm wondering, was there like a special anniversary around 1993 with Geronimo? And I'm wondering if it's like, like us, like with this podcast, like obviously we're doing things that are 30 years past, you know, at the end, but there are other people that are talking about the more known ones. I mean, he died in 1909. The whole thing took place maybe around 89. So maybe that's what it is. Like 1889. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe that is like they started making it around the hundredth anniversary. Yeah, this could be one of those things that was just in the zeitgeist at the same time, like Deep right. Impact, Armageddon time. Right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was the seventies, really, when all this is taking place. Eighty-six is when Miles replaces Crook. So that's really towards the end of the film. So I don't know. It's not exactly an anniversary. Yeah. But... I think this was, I mean, Westerns in general were becoming in vogue again because, like last month we were discussing, Dance with Wolves and then Unforgiven were the two best pictures in 90 and 92. So I think this just became a thing to do for the early 90s. Like, Westerns were big epics. And so they're yeah. like, what could we do from the uh, Native perspective? So, And then they just happen to have two productions going at the same time, kind of like your Armageddon and Deep Impact or Ants and A Bug's Life. And then one just happened to be on TV, so everyone's like, well, I don't need to go out. And that's the yeah. unfortunate thing, when they're coming up that close to each other. Right. Um, I yeah. I remember that coming out, too. The TV one. So. I wonder if I played Geronimo in that. Uh, what's that up? Hang on. 
that you have it already up? Hang on. Give me a second. And then Geronimo is Wikipedia himself. Who can get there? Geronimo, Joseph Running Fox. Mm -hmm. Hey, at least they didn't whitewash it. Yeah, it has a a wider scope. Oh my god. (laughs) What? Uh, Oh no, it looked... It's Teddy so Roosevelt is in this other Geronimo. Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah, I don't know how hmm. much. It's it played by Gere. Barry Boswick. Yeah. Someone no, named Ray you... Gear. You turn on. Oh, that's so bizarre. Oh, August Schellenberg is in it. He was the uh, guy running the park in Free Willy. One of the friends, uh, the boy. I don't know. I like Free Willy a lot. I mean, it was uh, a good like August Schellenberg ended up playing Powhatan in the New World in 05. Oh, God. <laughs> so you go to. Oh, All right. So, so you, you... horrible. Oh, yeah. You hate. Uh, what's his face? I hate Terrence Malick. <laughs> yeah. So even the IMDb is confused. You go to Joseph Running Fox's oh, page, no. and the trailer that plays next to his headshot. Is for the other Geronimo movie. <laughs> oh, but uh, like, look, you want to so see the bad. big budget one? You don't want to see this. <laughs> Did he ever do anything else? Did we see? Uh, I'm curious he, about other Geronimo, the one we're not covering. He's still doing stuff. He did a show called Dark Winds, The Politician. Did a lot of TV. You like this, Jimmy and Corey? He's in Ravenous. Oh, he was Sons oh, of okay. Hey, he's the one smoking the pear. Yeah. With uh, Dan Arquette. Is it an episode of Sons of Anarchy? Oh, he's in that new show, Dark Winds, that's on AMC. Yeah. That's good. All right. right. Good for him. No Oscar, but. But yeah, that's. Wow. Well, he would have gotten Emmy. Because I'm like, no, that doesn't doesn't look like him. It looks like the other guy. Am I just? Did they just look this? No, no. It says play trailer for one, right? But no, it even says play trailer for Geronimo and American Legend. I'm like, that's not the same movie. Yeah, Jeff, you're part of the problem. You basic white. Well, man. We maybe we're the ones that can help fix IMDb. <laughs> Dear IMDb, we can report this. We were making ex- a podcast the other day. Excuse me. <laughs> well, on actually, behalf, you need to do the comic book guy's voice. That's Pardon me. <laughs> Pardon me. Pardon me. Uh, There's clear, you clearly, got clearly a clerical error on your. To whom it may concern, <laughs> on behalf of Joseph Running Fox. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what did everybody think of the movie? What are the ratings? Oh yeah, we need we need to do grades. Uh, I would give it a B. It's definitely a underappreciated movie within the. The Walter Hill catalog. It's a it's a little too lean, but it's hard to complain when a movie's too short as opposed to too yeah. long. Um, but it's a it's a it's a solid ensemble. I also give it a B because, like I said, it was very well done. It just felt kind of slow for me. I don't know. That's I I give it an A minus. I wanted more. Yeah, honestly, that's what I was going to give it a B. I actually, it. I actually might go down to a B minus because of Jeff's points. It, it could have been more and more of Geronimo. Sure. Yeah. I think it's it's well crafted. 
So I might still stick around B. It's it's hovering around the low Bs. We we missed out on a lot about like a deeper history for the Apache too, because like before before the Americans came along and started screwing them over, it was a uh, it was the Mexicans and then uh, then the Comanche once they once when they right. got horses because the Comanche were like, you know, you you picked on us for centuries. Now uh, come up and right, yeah, we didn't really get any of that. It could have been a whole yeah. lifespan. It could have and, been starting and from his youth and then comparison once he's just downtrodden at the same. At the same time, though, we don't know that from a historical perspective. Like, we don't know his childhood or anything. We know of the dude that fought the cavalry. Right. Like, well, that's why this movie was made this way. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but, probably the part of the reason it didn't do that well is because there was a, uh, there was a glut of sequels that came out this month. Big hit sequels. Yes, yeah, so we had a uh, Sister Act two, which uh, weirdly enough directed by Bill Duke. Oh, weird! Veteran character actor, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember this one being much more of a musical than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I never cared for either one, but uh, I know you're a big fan of the original. I just like Whoopi. Mostly because of Ghost. And so when Sister Act 1 and 2 came out, we saw them. I know they're doing a long gestating <laughs> third one eventually. I thought maybe it was going to start filming soon. but So so you just like Whoopi, man. I love Whoopi. Do, do you like to make Whoopi? I love making Whoopi. I yeah. mean, I didn't make Whoopi. Whoopi made Whoopi. Where do you like Whoopi to make, make you, Did Whoopi make you do, go make Whoopi? Uma. Oprah. <laughs> would you like to buy a monkey hey. wasn't that around now yeah probably <laughs> when was cabin boy out 95 uh, yeah okay um another sequel i think is a little more respected uh wind's world 2 came out this month solid solid, solid sequel yeah I, enjoy, I actually like it better than the first one it's not a take I like the uh, Jurassic Park gag it used. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Then the Terminator 2 reference. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. They got a lot of good cameos in there. Charlton Heston has a great cameo towards the end. Gordon Street. I remember a woman who lived on Gordon Street. You got to see it. You I guess see. so, yeah. I need to see both of them. Well, there you go. And if they, again, this one has a rumored third entry that might happen might not hmm. um now this this franchise has had plenty of sequels most of them went this straight to video after this but uh beethoven's second oh yes yeah. can anyone take a guess of how many sequels there are i remember they recast they went up to five didn't they they recast mm-hmm. charles groden after this and it was judge reinhold what yeah. Oh my God. Because Charles Grodin said, I ain't doing no stinking right. directed DVD more. Oh, I was wrong, actually. There are more than even I thought. Oh, God. You have a guess, Jimmy, about how many Beethoven movies there are? I want to say seven. Nine. Nine Beethoven, including one that was a TV film. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> 
Beethoven's been busy, I'll tell you that. Uh-huh. There's uh He's impregnating every every dog in the neighborhood. They they gave up after the Beethoven's fifth. Uh, and they did Beethoven's Big Break, Beethoven's Christmas Adventure, and it's coming up on the 10th, 10th anniversary of Beethoven's Treasure Tale. Yes, they were making Beethoven movies in 2014. Hey. Listen, <laughs> with an IP that... Why don't they have a crossover with Air Buddy? Yeah, they should have... Oh my god, they could have had a crossover. With those Air Bud movies? Oh can be the ones. Let's do it. Jimmy looks so miserable. Airbud X Beethoven. I don't want to be associated with this. Yeah. I want Beethoven to train the next generation of Airbuds at playing basketball. It's just, it's just like a trading places situation. Oh my god! What if it's Freaky Friday, but now Airbud is inside Beethoven? Yeah, but you have a Mastiff playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. Oh god! Everybody just, just, just freeze your video and look at Jimmy's face. Right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was not. He's going to be the executive when we go to pitch this. <laughs> We're going to keep saying J- three people came up with this: Jeff, uh, Tristan, and Jimmy. I don't want to uh, worry you, Corey. Yeah, <clears throat> you're safe. You're safe. I actually like the sequel more than the first one. By the way, whoa, yeah, it's got no Duchovny in the sequel though. Well, Beethoven. Yeah. yeah, I saw it twice in theaters. Oh, so you're part of the reason they made a third one. It's actually a mistake. Uh, you you two remember Edison Movie Theater. Uh, it's more of a, an Indian theater now uh, because yeah. the Indian population that's around there. But uh, back when we were kids, they used to have in the summer, they'd have like Tuesday matinee for $2 or something. I do recall. And mom and I would go to <laughs> something every week in the yeah. summer. And one time we were going to Beethoven because I'm like, I've seen the second one. We went to see the second one. Let's see Beethoven. And they played Beethoven second. So we ended up having to rent Beethoven. They're all the same. <laughs> I know. Mm. We're, we're, we're sitting there like, do we leave? We watch this when You've it seen, came out. You've seen your girlfriend's movie about a control dog. You've seen them all. Like Fun story. That theater on Fridays used to have Rocky Horror Picture Show. They yeah. did. Yeah. But who's uh who's the, Beethoven's girlfriend with a boner hair? Like Rosie? I, I haven't seen it since that time, so that was like I thought you saw it so many times in them. Uh, twice and once <laughs> was twenty-eight years ago, once was thirty years ago. But I do remember because Danellen did something Bell? similar. They had like a summer Bell's movie Bell? club thing. I don't know, I made that up. Uh Missy. <laughs> Missy. Yeah, it's Missy. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if nothing else, you get a great apoplectic Charles Grodin performance out of these, even if you don't like dog stuff. Yeah. It's like Bob Hoskins on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he's just constantly annoyed by his <laughs> <laughs> by his anthropomorphic sidekicks in these. He just hates them all. Yeah. Um. So there was a uh, Denzel Washington doubleheader that came out in December. The Pelican Brief, which is based on a John Grisham novel. It's him and Julia Roberts. And he Wednesday. also did and he um, also did Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. I was gonna say Pelican Brief is a mainstay on uh, Best Buy shelves all the time. At least yeah. when I was working there. Not anymore. There were always like twenty of them just sitting there waiting to be bought. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a decent movie, but it's way too long. 
Yeah. Things like two hours and twenty minutes. Back in that day, you couldn't do that. Unless you well, the firm's the almost three hours, so. <laughs> yeah. But um, I. Everyone see Philadelphia? Nope. Mm. No. Wow. Most of it. Ooh. Good movie. Tom Hanks got his first Academy Award for this movie. I should watch that. Or some of it? I don't remember. It's been a while. Interesting fact. Um, Tom Hanks' boyfriend in the movie is played by Antonio Banderas. It was originally offered to John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo turned it down because the role was too small and he was being offered a lead role in what? Super Mario Brothers. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, I wonder if that would have helped his career more. He's great in Summer <laughs> Sam, though. I think he's good in uh, Super Mario Brothers. He shouldn't be ashamed of that. Not at yeah, all. Yeah, no. Yeah, what would you do if you were offered the lead in a film? As opposed I'm sure to he's getting play, paid significantly more, so it's like... Yeah. I don't begrudge him. Nah. I'm sure he would have been great, but Antonio... And honestly, now that I say it, does film. anybody really remember that Antonio Banderas was the boyfriend in that? I was about to say, that's the best part. <laughs> I literally was saying that as you were asking. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Hmm. 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 But yeah, this was um, Jonathan Demme's follow-up to uh, Sansa Williams. He was killing it in the 90s. Yeah. Um. So, again, it, it's weird. We, When Tristan and I were going over the guide, we kind of grouped stuff. So we just had the sequels. We just had the Denzel movies. So these are like uh, kind of breakout roles for certain stars that came out this month. So What's Even Gilbert Grape was a launching pad for DiCaprio in a way. I mean, he had done This Boy's Life, but I think he got more attention for this. This is where I first heard of him. Yeah. It's a... It's a I did, you know what? I don't remember much of the movie. I remember we had to watch a lot of it in school, but uh, really? I remember it being pretty quirky. Um, and honestly, it's uh, Johnny Depp playing somebody who's not a cartoon, so that's always good when he plays actual human beings. Back this when he was a character what, actor. This is what I think people would cite as why he should get more acclaim. Right. And then, of course, <clears throat> he doesn't do this once he gets acclaim. Right. It's, it's, yeah, like Jared Leto's in that mode right now. So I would argue he was doing it in Finding Neverland, and then people were sort of disappointed with that, so he dug into the... Yeah, it's like, this is an exaggerated overacting? What? I honestly mm-hmm. think he's good in Finding Neverland, but... Well, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's better when he's grounded. Mm-hmm. Even for as... Um, as hyperbolic as uh, Ed Wood is, he's grounded as that character. He doesn't feel like a caricature. But uh, another movie that came out this month that put a TV actor on the map on the big screen was uh, Six Degrees of Separation for Will Smith. Yeah, What I said to Corey was this is uh, sort of what people would start to say, oh, the Fresh Prince made a good movie. Maybe he could be Mm -hmm. a star. So this right. was sort of the launching pad for Bad Boys and Independence Day. Yeah, Bad Boys has a whole production history we can get into when we talk about that. But two years, yeah. Um, but yeah, this one I remember this one um, 
champion. Everybody was like, you know, Donald Sutherland's good, but that that Will Smith, yeah, he might have a future. That guy. Yeah. Uh, he, does, he, does, he does steal every scene he's in. Mm-hmm. And again, he is the manipulator of the group. So That's the point, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a movie that had a small theatrical window, but I think is large in the hearts and minds of Batman fans, came out this month. Animated movie, Mask oh, of the wow. Phantasm, which I think just got recently a, a 4K upgrade. Um, mm. I actually think the movie. Pass a little, that up. I think the movie's a little overrated, but really, what? I because I, they try to. It would have been better if it was like Hush or an established character, but they well, just create this phantasm character out of nowhere. Uh, I've always liked that though. Plus, 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 without Mask of the Phantasm, uh, you don't get well. I mean, Batman in general and Bruce Tim, you don't get the rest of the uh, DC uh, universe so so animated. Yeah, like now, I think they've done better animated movies since then. Like recently, obviously, when they they've done the extended animated universe. Well, actually, Batman oh, Hush. Wasn't written until O two, so oh well, not about that. Okay. Uh, oh, all right, comic book guy. The, I like the design of the character, but the character itself doesn't have a lot. It doesn't have interesting lore behind it. I feel like no. I think they were trying to make well, it. New wait, lore. wait till you get to Batman Beyond. Then, uh, then that, then it comes full circle. That character yeah. is real good in Batman Beyond. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's. Interesting because I think they were trying to hit lightning, strike lightning twice because they had with Harley Quinn, which they created for the Batman animated series. Right. So then they would eventually integrate her into the comics and she's become like her own huge character in the zeitgeist. And so they were trying to do another one, maybe because they also didn't have a lot of female villains. They thought that would be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. And also it'd be a little bit of a twist. So. Mm-hmm. What a twist. Yeah. Also, they've done Man Bat, so it's sort of like Phantasm is like a ghost version of Batman. I don't know. I think it, I think it was a good idea. Yeah. It just feels like a long episode rather than something that needed to be in the theater. It definitely, it's a feature length episode. Is what it feels like. It feels like a two part. I mean, it was, it was definitely tar- targeted for for kids because that we're already watching. You know, it's from the yeah. animated series, and only kids were watching it. Like right. you don't to get later now till uh, DC is pumping out more uh, more. Like more grown up animated you know, movies. I don't know what the uh, thinking was behind the release, but maybe they were thinking, okay, it's perfect because it's a winter set film, perfect to take yeah. kids for Christmas itself. But yeah. it certainly and, would have done better if it came out in June '94. I mean, it, it's also a good time for like uh, uh, the season break from from television because they're probably like off season, and then also. Christmas, like they probably like That's they probably was, put the toys out in July. There you go. So then you get the toys right. Uh-huh. Out. Yeah, because like the the trailers come out yeah. and then the toys come out. The movie comes out, and then you buy That's more it. toys, then you buy the video, then you buy more toys. Yeah. Well, that's just not how animated. <laughs> it, the movie was meant for us when we were young. Yeah, it was supposed to feel like a long episode. Right. Get us through that winter. I think it's a good gamble. It just didn't necessarily pay off. Yeah. So a movie I get. Confused with two other movies. Um, I think I finally have it cleared up now. 
uh, Anthony Hopkins in Shadowlands. So Shadowlands is the one where he plays C.S. Lewis, the author, the, the, the theologian, too. And Remains of the Day is one where he plays the butler. And then Howard's End is the one where he plays the aristocrat. So I got it. I got it. I got it. No. You know, there's a new movie coming out this month in 2023 called Fraud's Last Remorse, where Fraud or Freud, Freud, Freud's last session. That was a Freudian slip. Um, mm-hmm. Freud's Last Remorse, where Anthony Hopkins plays Sigmund Freud having a conversation with C.S. Lewis. Yeah. It's, it's like the long existing uh, fourth movie of this series of Anthony Hopkins playing famous. Yeah. Movies. So, yeah, I finally have it cleared up. I haven't watched it yet, but I heard it's the best of the three. Of course. Of course. Of course. Um, uh, so, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis reunited with his uh, My Left Foot director for In the Name of the Father. Neil Jordan? Uh, no, nah, uh, Sheridan. Jim Sheridan, okay. Jim I knew he was an Irish guy. I don't know. Yeah, so this is about... um. He plays a uh, this one of these youths in uh, Ireland who's um who's erroneously arrested for uh, one of the um, the IRA bombings, and uh, he's in prison for a long time. It's a, it's a good uh, it's a very unflinching, hard hitting uh, drama, and obviously mm-hmm. you don't expect anything less than a stellar performance from Daniel Day Lewis. Mm-hmm. And he's fantastic in the film. Pete Possilwaite, people uh, might know him from uh, The Lost World. Or He's playing the poacher. He yeah. plays his father. Or the town. Um, yeah, the town. Or Brassed Off. Mm. Um, he got an Oscar nomination up against uh, John Malkovich for supporting actor for this film. This is also one of the best picture nominees in The Name of the Father. Yeah. But uh, as Tristan alluded to earlier, this will be the last one I end on before we go into Poster Boy. Uh, uh, big, mm-hmm. a big Western came out this month. Some people's favorites. Uh, it's called Tombstone. Yeah. yeah. I talk, you talk about a stacked cast. Jeff, you're muted. Oh, my God. I list everybody who's in the in the film. Oh boy, off the top of my head, uh, Kurt you Russell, do it. Val Kilmer, um, Bill Shane Paxton, Elliott. Sam Elliott. Um, who's Curly Bill? It's uh, Billy Bob Thorne. Sudden Impact. Uh, Johnny Ringo is our buddy Michael Bean. Michael Bean. What? Who's Who's the guy from Sudden Impact? Why am I blanking on his name? Sudden Impact. Yeah. The oh, guy. you think sudden death? Sudden death. Sudden death. Yeah. Oh, it's um, Powers Booth. Powers Booth. He's the main villain. Oh, well, technically Michael Bean would be. Um, right. You got um, Mr. Big from Sex and the City. John. Dana, you got Dana Delaney. Dana Delaney is the main uh, female lead. Um, the mom in The Hunger Games plays White Earp's first wife. Right. Um, you got uh, his her acting partner is... Uh, Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Yeah, I had to do the hairs gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, his lover is played by Jason Priestley. Uh, secret lover, don't. That's inferred. Nah, uh, yeah. 
who else is there? Oh, the uh, lock from Lost is Terry O'Quinn, the mayor, Terry O'Quinn, yeah. and then the sheriff, uh, Johnny Behan. I forget his name, but he's not a huge actor. Uh, White Earp's own grandson is in the film as one of Johnny Ringwald's oh. gunmates. Uh, Thomas oh. Church is in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, Dylan and Avatar, Stephen. Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang is in there. Uh, he's Curly Bill's main associate. He gets a great scene towards the end. You got. <clears throat> uh, oof. What is the. Who's the narrator? He died after this film. He's Knight of the Hunter. Uh, Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum narrates. Then you have Charlton Heston lets them stay at their ranch for a little bit. He didn't die after this movie. Robert Mitchum did. He's in Dead Man. Oh, he did another thing? Maybe. Hmm. He's in Dead Man. One of your favorite westerns as well. He's in Dead Man. Maybe he was. Maybe there's trivia about him not being able to be in the film. Oh, okay. Maybe he was sick. Could have been. Yeah. Dead Man came out the next year, so he could still have died after making this. Fair enough. Dead Man might have gestated. Um, Who else was there? There's. Did you say Billy Bob? Peter Quill, you said it. Peter Quill's father is one of the guys. Peter Quill's father is Kurt Russell. No. Well, yeah. Peter, both <laughs> of fathers are in this. How about. Hey. Uh, a couple other people. Who else was in there? That's pretty much it. I don't think it's a stretch to say that it's probably one of the best westerns ever made. So. I think Jeff doesn't like westerns. I think this was one that have you I don't know if you've seen it or not. Um, no, I I like that one. I I watched oh, it with okay. you. Yeah. Okay. Good. I don't know. Yeah. I show this to everybody. Right. Great movie. Um. Kurt Russell and, set out to make a epic on the scale of the Untouchables, on the scale of the Godfather, and eventually just took over the film when the director wasn't up to snuff. Apparently that's not true, remember? He says he didn't. Everyone else says he didn't. I think it's... Who did we talk to? Michael, Michael Bean. Bean? Yeah, you trust one person. Um, I don't know. He seemed kind of pissed off when we asked him. Well, he's so. at a Comic-Con, so he's probably going to be pissed off in general. Um, I think... Wait, wait, what is it? What? We met Michael Bean at a Comic-Con. And we asked no. him... If, well, Corey asked him if Kurt Russell actually directed... And I'm sure he, he looked at me like I was an idiot. He's like, no, it's a yeah. damn rumor. Yeah. <laughs> so either he's covering up or the rumor just persists anyway. Kurt Russell himself has said, well, I took some hand in it. It's not literal. I already dealt more with the actors, not the technical stuff. I mean, we talk about, uh, or we, Corey and I used to relate about Jurassic Park 3. Essentially, Joe Johnston got too busy with the like technical stuff, and there were times when William H. Macy and Sam Neill were just making up their own dialogue. Yeah. But that's essentially what I think Kurt Russell was doing. I think he'd go into a scene and say, what are we saying in this one? Maybe we can punch up the script. And maybe it was a collaborative thing where the director was there, but Kurt Russell and that director, you know, yeah. conferred rather sure, than Kurt cosmetic. Russell being like, go this way, go this way. I'm directing now, you know? You know, it's funny. This isn't the first time I've heard that happen on a Cosmatos movie. Yeah. Because I heard the same thing happen with Cosmatos. Yeah. I heard the same thing happen with Cobra, where Stallone just kind of took over directing. Yeah. And and does took over mean helped or like 
kick out and direct yourself. I think it I would say it could be he'd go every night and be like, what are we doing tomorrow? Let's see how we can punch it up and make it the best we can. I There's mean, back then, that. Stallone was a big star, so and he was a director as well. So, right. again, he could have just, his ego may have gotten in the way. Yeah, I think it's more of a collaborative thing for everybody on set rather than just Kurt Russell like also using Cosmatos as a stand-in. If I recall, Michael Bean kind of said that, well, Kurt was the centerpiece of the movie, so of course we take our cues from Kurt because right. he's playing Wyatt Earp. So. Right. So I think it's more of like, did this work for all of us? Like, it's not like Thomas Hayden Church went over and helped direct the scene he's in, you know? Right. Now, I know we talked about the doors. Do we think that this is Val Kilmer's best performance? It's most quote. It's most quotable of his performances, for sure. I think this is, well, we'd have to look back at what we picked for Val Kilmer, but... Could be in his tops. Yeah. It's tough. I think both of those films are his best films. Yeah. I think I, I picked Batman. Batman! <laughs> <laughs> You're just being a troublemaker now. I could go on and on. Listen, about I'm here stuff. to skew the curve. <laughs> yeah, you guys watch these movies. I, I just—he's a wild card. <laughs> yeah, he's a wild card. He's a loose cannon. This guy. One, uh, one interesting aspect of this is how much we take this film specifically to heart about the gunfight at the OK Corral. Yeah. And Jimmy and I just saw an older film from the '40s starring uh, Henry Fonda as White Earp called. Oh. Uh, my darling Clementine. Oh yes, I gotta Ford. see that. Well, that and movie, that movie was so just Hollywood. It's very different, and we were looking into the actual history of everything, and it turns out the Dana Delaney character, the real woman who becomes yeah. White Earp's wife eventually, sort yeah. of wrote the history of Tombstone because there mm. really was no one paying attention. Like the OK Corral isn't where it even happened. She yeah. tried to erase Maddie. Uh, Wyatt's first wife because she didn't want to be known as the girl that was going around to different towns and performing for everybody you know and so there's a lot of myths around Wyatt Earp who lived until Hollywood days so he was often conferring a movie about that right so it's he's allowed to make his own legend so the legends we know about people aren't necessarily ever true like this whole snafu with Napoleon shooting the pyramids or whatever it's good and bad to have it be historically inaccurate. It's right. like, what's what's more cinematic? I also think it can open up a discussion about what actually is true. And we yeah. all we have is what's written down. So well, that's right. So, so what true, was the thing with the Napoleon and the Sphinx? Well, apparently in this new Napoleon movie, there's a lot of historical inaccuracies. One of the things is that Napoleon himself drummed up a legend of him shooting the pyramids as he took Cairo. I don't even remember him doing that. Oh, I, I, I heard in... I heard in art history that might be class in a cut that, like, that's a, not his in troops were just shooting at it for target practice. Right. And that's yeah. the whole myth. Did that actually happen? It's not written down. There's no footage of it. You know? So yeah. it's how we take truth with a grain of salt. That's what we should do with historical movies. Even stuff like In the Name of the Father. Like, you don't want to um, assume everything is perfectly accurate because sometimes it's made to be cinematic. But it's a um, pathway to discussion. I think. See, like the weird thing is, and for the most part, especially towards the end of Tombstone, it is pretty historically accurate. Because honestly, if they had skewed it a little more, obviously, like you said, um, Powers Booth would have been the main villain that they go up against at the end, but he just mm-hmm. 
Well, they kill him off pretty early on. Well, relative uh, for uh, runtime, becomes the main well, villain. Early on, in terms of where the climax relative. is, in yeah. terms of the climax, he in the law of economy of characters, he would have been the last one. Yeah, I think that's a nice twist because the real thing is it's about Doc Holliday, which is ironically what my darling Clementine does too. So I mm. think they always like to drum up a cooler actor as the sidekick and gets a cool death scene. And obviously of the two, now Je- Jeff would have hated uh, Wyatt Earp because that's like three hours long. And it basically is cradled to the grave. This obviously distills wired up down to the shootout the okay corral and everything surrounding tombstone the town mm-hmm. but uh and speaking, then speaking of films coming out simultaneously this this did great in december 93 and then right. wider bombs in 94 right and we get to, we'll talk about that more next year but yeah this uh, this is definitely the superior of the two mm-hmm. i should watch it finally wider good luck yeah it's boring <laughs> as a huge fan of this I want to see how it is comparatively you know Dennis Quaid does a fine job mm-hmm. as Doc Holliday yeah who does uh, Michael Madsen play then uh, he plays this is he uh, the Sam Elliott or Bill Paxton part oh, okay he's got to be Bill Paxton because he's younger mm. you guys like uh, It's a Wonderful Life I just saw. I just yeah. saw. Time uh, Bert the cop plays the Sam Elliott part in the uh, Henry Fonda version. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Good old he's, Bert. Yeah, he's a big character actor. Turns out, you watch a lot of movies in the '40s, he's going to show up. Apparently. Yeah. Hey, I know that guy. Yeah. He's just like Bert the cop these days. <laughs> hey, Bert. That's fine. The Seabert. Oh, I know him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is going to be a fun top five this year. Three of my favorite movies of all time are in '93. <laughs> Homeward Bounds in 93. It is. We talked about it back in... So that's Florida. right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing... Bad. I'm guessing The Poster Boy is not in your top three. That's a good movie. Uh, I'm going to preface this with there are no taglines. Uh, there's no jokes about this, per se. But... <laughs> well, <laughs> Jimmy... Don't you dare Jimmy, man. He'll he'll find a joke in there somewhere. I know this isn't yeah. listen, that's what we do. Jimmy and I are the comic relief. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You try you try with this. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so, darkness. It is darkness. Um I haven't it's, like, it's like one of those one of those after shadows that you see in Hiroshima photos. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, it's a Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. Uh okay, so it's a black gray background with a bunch of typeface numbers. Um, and obviously all the important bits are smudged out. It looks like someone just exploded. <laughs> uh looks like also, a smokestack. I'm not gonna have you try to make up a film based on this. I mean, judging by the numbers, I just, just want to know if you have seen this. This this I I've never seen it. I don't think it, it looks judging by the, the numbers of the background. This is either a war movie or a serial killer movie. It's the first one. Okay. Now, next I give you the whole image, but a little blurry. Okay. Okay. I made it worse. That's, <laughs> <I know. laughs> I can't tell this is, 
Okay, it it just looks like a like a, a melted chocolate bar right now. Okay, yeah, I knew coming out of nowhere, you did not know what this is. I, that looks no. like a melted Charleston chew. Yes, yeah. yes, that's exactly okay. that, that's what I was thinking of. I'll show you what okay. it actually is. Oh, wait, I think he knows this. Is well, this, I know what movie it is. Is this is this Schindler's List? You. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, I hate you so much. Best picture <laughs> I hate you. Nineteen ninety three. Yeah, we want to see if we could. I, I saw, I saw that. Red What's the tagline? I saw that red jacket. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make this into a poster board. I'm like, I don't want him to like make jokes about this. Technically, I was right both times. Uh-huh. With both guesses. <laughs> Serial killer movie. He came, he saw, he made lists. Yeah. What's the tagline? There's no tagline. It's just as a film by yeah. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> uh, actually, there is another one. I delete that. There was, was let me see if I could make the other poster boy or the other poster into poster boy. It's the one of the people in the camp and that girl with the red dress in the oh. back. And I uh, took out the girl, and I think he would have known. Yeah, I can share the screen. Again. That's the only splash of color in the movie, so yeah, yeah. you can see it again. Oh, there's an ad. We'll I think it was a good thing you, you can see, see completely that. blurred that movie out. That boy, picture. yeah, I would have erased this. But the tagline here is a story of courage that the world needs now more than ever. All right, Jesus. Yeah, like what are we gonna do with that on poster boy? You know. Also, it's the twenty fifth anniversary one. You want the one from the time period? Okay. Come on. Well, either way, this is a heavy film. For either sure. way. Oh yeah. I still haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Well, it's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I borrowed it from feel, my feel good comedy of the decade. My my parents and I had never seen it, so we borrowed it from our friend Mike. And it took five years to get to it because we're like, Do you want to pop Schindler's list on? Like we're gonna be done for the rest of the day after we watch this. So should we get some Marvel <laughs> Redenbachers and just yeah, like, this out? Yeah. Like what are we Dad even uh, ended up just not watching. He's like, I don't "We're not know. putting anything in the oven as a treat." Oh, right? Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that movie in genocide studies class in high school. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah, sorry. It's tough to want to watch this film, but it is. I mean, it I want to. It's just it's not tough to want to watch it. It's like, oh, this is a classic. I should watch this. It's finding an appropriate time. Right. You. Like, this oh, is I, not I a rush game. Home from work this is, this is not the thing you bring over to movie night at your friend's house. Right. Oh boy. Yeah. This. This is. We watched. We watched Fifty First Dates last week. What do we got this <laughs> week? Well. Oh, uh, that's 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 historically inaccurate. Fifty First Dates wasn't produced by them. Oh my god. <laughs> <clears throat> the um. You know about the production history of this, right? The year that Steven Spielberg had making this in jurassic park so he left is insane he yeah. left the post of jurassic park so he could go film this yeah he would watch dailies of or at <laughs> least dailies of the editing room uh well on set in europe so he'd be trying to direct he'd, he'd go and film one of the most harrowing scenes he's done in his entire career still to date and then he'd go back to his hotel room and watch like mr <laughs> My God, like, Jeff Goldblum being wacky. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen that that is that is a way to manage the emotional depth of of, of 
like because this is a weighty thing to write and direct or no he didn't write it he just directed it but like uh, still to, to do that so that was probably part of his plan because he's like i'm just gonna go sit and watch dinosaur nonsense at the end of the day yeah. and see how yeah. you guys are doing over there what he should have done is splice the two movies together oh god no why i Hammond's list. Well, if the dinosaurs eat Hitler, then that's worth it. Now there's a sequel. <laughs> Great. We put it out into the universe. It's going to happen someday. The Jurassic World's looking for options on what to do next. God, go back in time. Where, just do it. No, no, no. no. Could you imagine? <laughs> right there, right? So Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt hijacks it. He goes, clever girl. He takes one of the raptors, goes back in a time machine, and kills Hitler. <laughs> See, that's why they were training those Velociraptors, see? Yeah. I'm done. Gotta get through Berlin. Click, click on the third right. <laughs> you said we couldn't make jokes about this. I defy so, you. I think yeah, you I have know. to. So William Neeson was good. <laughs> Coming out of Dark Man. Yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn really did uh, you have expected pull, it, this? pull it together in World War Two. Yeah. Did you have you've obviously seen Schindler's List? He's starting genocide studies. So yeah, three of us have seen it at least. Yeah, yeah. It it was hard. How would you not give this best picture? I mean, it's just yeah, uh, yeah. It feels like you know you get it. And the best picture is you feel, you feel guilty not doing that. Right. I like, mean, right, the other films just were. Take it. I know in the name of the father was, but I think. What else was there? It was Schiller's List, obviously, wins. The Fugitive, In the Name of the Father, The Piano, and The Remains of the Day. Okay. Which is the one of those Anthony Hopkins movies that you keep getting confused. <laughs> I got oh, it wow. now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, Howard's End was nominated the year before, so that makes sense why that <laughs> just continues the trend. The Piano was would probably win in any other year. Right. In the Name of the Father is also a hard-hitting timely film mm. and the fugitive came out of nowhere i remember uh reading recently that uh harrison ford and tommy lee jones are like sitting in the rain like they thought the script was horrible kill my career <laughs> and it, it came out of nowhere and had the most nominations i think yeah which is weird for that to be not normally action movies don't get nominated for best picture yeah but people often cite it as a drama it's clearly like a like action airplane, drama airplane book thriller right but, yeah i don't know how you choose anything else over schindler's list to be best picture well obviously um ray finds lost to tommy lee infamously jones. yeah that's the weird one like tommy lee jones is great but he's been better in other things sure. uh, ray finds gives his career performance in schindler's list i mean even liam neeson probably could have and should have perhaps won over tom hanks for philadelphia so he gave maybe his career performance. Uh, what did tough. Tommy Lee Jones win for? Uh, the, the Fugitive. Fugitive. Oh, right. Yeah, and he was up against Ray Fiennes. He was up against John Malkovich for In the Line of Fire. P. Postlethwaite for In the Name of the Father. And uh, Leo for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Damn, uh, Leo may sh maybe should have gotten it. All five are good there, too. But like Tommy Lee Jones is probably five out of five. As I say, it's tough. They're all good nominees. Yeah. It's not even a career arc thing. This is sort of what made Tommy Lee Jones even more famous. He was kind of a. I was gonna say '90s. He blew up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He, he's in, in the four more years. We get his best role ever. 
I was gonna say he's in Jeff's favorite Batman movie. Yes. My favorite uh, Batman movie. Referring to Men in Black. But... Who was referring? Oh, yeah. No, you're talking about Batman. That's yeah. true. He was he was my first exposure to Two Face. There you go. So, so that wraps I, up the year. I left the uh, picks of the month up to you guys, sort of. I mean, I I feel like it could be Matt Damon because I don't know what else we would have that we would actually cover for him this year or this decade. What about Duval? We could do Duval because this is one of his career best. He has a ton of movies, and Gene oh, Hackman. Yeah. We actually didn't do back Shock. in February 1990. No, back when we, did, we were doing when we did Loose Cannons. I look back at Loose Cannon's episode and we were doing picks of the month up to what we were watching in August 1990 when we recorded our February or 2020 when we recorded our February 90 episode because we weren't doing it based off of the film we were covering because we were covering all films for the month back then. We just had a focus. And so we were sort of unmoored on what we were doing for picks of the month. Like Jimmy picked Gundam. I I talked about the movie Forty Two because I had just watched it. You know, Corey said something that came out in August twenty twenty. I forget yeah. what. Uh, yeah, but or this no, was back talk, in the early days when we didn't know what films. to talk about. You know what you watched, uh, Corey? It was that oh. film that's really with the sad boy on the cover. What's that like? Come and, list. come and see. Oh, oh come and see. Oh, yeah. the criteria. But apparently, movie, just yeah. seen Come and See. Uh, yeah, that was the press. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what Jeff said, but it wasn't something to do with Gene Hackman. That's the point. So we could do Gene. Gene um, boy. I mean, I haven't seen much of his stuff. Actually, no. Gene Hackman. I'm gonna pick. Jeff. Yeah. What? What? We? Which of those three guys? I think would you want to do? Because Jason Patrick has too short of a career. And West Studio's best films we already mentioned. I would. Uh, uh, yeah. I'd like to do Duval, but fine with that. I'm yeah, fine with any of the I like all three. So, I mean, Duvall's got to You definitely see a lot of his movies. So, yeah, yeah. You want to look him up and think about. All right, I'm going. So I'm going. Even though he's got a small role in it, hmm. Apocalypse Now. Okay, huh? that's a good choice. Oh no, no, that's a good role. That's a that's a good role in Apocalypse. It took me a second to remember. Like, who is he? Oh yeah, no. He smells napalm in the morning. Yeah, he loves it. Oh yeah, best one liner ever. No, there's plenty of good ones, gooder ones. Uh, hmm. Let's give me one Mississippi. I mean, Corey, you sort of let me have it, but Tender Mercies is his best film. Yeah, man. It's it's the movie that I was hoping you were gonna pick that. Yeah, I can't pick anything else. If you had picked it, I could have found something else, but because he's he has another good bit part in uh, Mash. Yeah, he was in the original version of Handmaid's Tale. Yes, hmm. which I watched That's in right. He's the commander. Yeah. Funny enough, the commander in the new one is Bradley Whitford. I believe he might be I'm one of the sure. he might be one of the of Red or whatever's. I'm just going to sleep here for a while. Yeah. That's inappropriate. Because <sighs> of what the Handmaid's Tale is about. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is appropriate that we're picking Robert Duvall. Did, the, uh, he is did probably, he die? No, he's probably going to be my choice for 
Lifetime Achievement Award for the Edgars this year. Awesome. So, I guess this is the announcement. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. He was in Newsies. I'm going with Newsies. He sure was. What mm-hmm. the fuck? <laughs> he basically has a cameo in that, doesn't he? He's Joseph Pulitzer. He's Joseph Pulitzer. <laughs> okay. It was either that or uh, Thank You for Smoking. Oh, great role. Also, oh, that was a cameo, too. You know what? I haven't seen it in such a long time, but the eagle has landed. Good movie. Oh, okay. I just found oh yeah, that no, my, I, uh, it was such a long time. I just found that in my box of movies. If you want to rewatch it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I forgot I bought that with a on a trip with Corey. He was Boo Radley. Yes, right. first was, That was his was first role. Boo Radley. Yeah. Wow. Like, there's, there's a good reason I'm picking him for uh, Lifetime Achievement. He's been yeah. acting since the 60s and in good roles. He's in the original True Grit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so I wonder if he and Matt Damon stayed friends and he talked to him about it. It's not like Matt Damon played his part. That's the uh, dude, the sniper from Saving Private Ryan. Barry Pepper plays his part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was in a couple episodes of The Fugitive TV. Barry show. Peps. The original, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Good career. I'm ashamed of how few things I've seen of his. Actually, what's what's the thing you want to see? That you Godfather two. I mean, he's great in the Godfather movies. You haven't seen Godfather? None of them. And I went to the same college as what's his face, Frank. Yeah, good old, good old Coppola, good old Frank Coppola. Frank, Frankie. <laughs> um. It's okay. I don't think he minds. It's okay. The wine guy? Busy doing Megalopolis. He has a lot of uncredited cameos like he doesn't thank you for smoking. Like the conversation. He's like the guy at the end. Oh, wait. Tristan, you just saw him in a movie. THX 1138. I did see him in Geronimo. No, no, no. Civil action. Oh, a civil action is great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping we might cover that for uh, the podcast, actually. That could have been a good Robert Duvall time. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Can still do Gene Hackman if you want. THX 1138. I changed my answer. Okay, That's so you're going to do THX 1138. I'm going to do uh, Tender Mercies. We got Apocalypse Now and The Eagle is Lame. Yep. That covers a lot of good roles he had. We could do a second Robert Duvall, honestly, for a civil action. <laughs> He's yeah. so good. Yeah, I mean, if we do a second one, I'm going with MASH. By then, he'll be uh, 100. Mm-hmm. He's turning 93 or 4, I think, in January. So nice. It's also still a, doing stuff. I mean, he and Hackman are around the same age, so we don't have oh, so much yeah. time with both of them. Fun fact they're both roommates in New York City when they were just starting out. With who else? Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, wow. Imagine the parties they had. Well, I heard about them. What a, what a powerhouse. Robert Duvall's going on record about it. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of parties, we're uh, at the end of our year, so we're going to get together again in person for our best of '93. That's coming out just yeah. two weeks after this, so we're uh, we're going to wrap up the year with that and uh, discuss our top five, talk about what we learned this year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully, you join us for that and uh, look forward to our fifth year in uh, 1994. Uh, this. One of my favorite years in cinema, probably the year that started me uh, off on the track that we're on now. So I'm excited to talk about it with you boys. 
Oh, yeah. See you in a few weeks.